Happy New Year and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. This is Isabel Ross and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. This week's podcast is a little bit different. It's a group chat that I am having with Daniel Ferrugia and Ashley Drove, uh, two guys who know a lot about running and coaching and all sorts of things. And we have a general discussion, firstly, about my GSER race and a little bit about Barclay. And then we talk, um, and interweaved, woven with all of that is discussions of training. And we have uh, discussed it and decided that we're going to start having a monthly discussion on different training principles. So if at any point you have any ideas that you would like us to discuss, please let me know and I will try to bring them up because each time we will all bring up an individual point that we think is worthy of discussion. So I would be open to any ideas that you would find interesting to be talked about. So I hope you all had a fabulous Christmas and based on my last podcast, didn't eat all of the food. Um, I was pretty good this year, actually, but um, yeah, that's probably because it was quite warm, so you don't really feel like eating quite as much, do you, then? Um, But yeah, so, and I hope you all had an awesome New Year's Eve last night, and it's the start of a whole new decade. It's hard to believe that it's 2020. The years go by so fast. It seems like only yesterday it was 2000, but there you go. That was 20 years ago. So a lot has changed since then and a lot will keep changing, I'm sure. So I hope you all have an awesome 2020 and that you set some fantastic goals for the new year. I don't really believe in resolutions. I've never set them, but I do believe in setting goals and working your way towards achieving those and I hope everything goes well in that regard, that you have a fantastic year of training and racing and touch wood, no injuries. Um, As discussed on the podcast, my injury is getting there and I should be right for more and more running as time goes by. So that's always a positive. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this different format and um, we certainly enjoyed creating it and enjoyed the discussion the time flew and it's quite a long one actually so yeah I hope you enjoy it and as always I do ask for you to please rate and review my podcast I really appreciate it and like I said it helps keep the podcast growing and so that it becomes available and recognizable for more people to find so I greatly appreciate your support in that regard anyway as I said happy training and racing have a great day great month and great year. Okay, welcome Isabel. Hi, how's it going? Very well. Um, Thanks for joining us on the podcast yet again. (laughs) Yeah, good to speak to you again. Yeah, yeah. And um, and obviously we've got Ashley here. Uh, um, And so I just thought I'd would jump in the reason why i got you back on the podcast is there's been a lot of things happened since i had you on which was on episode 39 so last time i spoke to you um was your heavy training for the great southern endurance run and that's right yeah and um you had sort of just launched your coaching business and you got you gave us a good uh debrief of your um uh, of of sort of your racing career up and so but now there's um 
if you think, can you tell us what some updates since the last time I spoke to you? Um, well, obviously, I did GSER and um, it was super tough, just as I expected. Um, due to some, you know, they were, there was snow in the air and that sort of stuff, they changed the course to an out and back rather than a point-to-point, which at first yeah. I was a little bit, you know, hesitant about thinking oh, it won't be as tough, but um, believe you me, it was very tough. Um, yeah. yeah, so I did that and um, I won the female section division whatever it's called yeah and it was awesome. it was good yes it was a tough well day out there oh, well, tough well done thanks thanks tough yeah. two days. Yeah. so just just so if, if if there's anyone who doesn't know great southern endurance run considered one of the hardest ultras in australia if not the hardest ultra in australia can you give us the um the statistics of what I mean, even the even with the changed course, it was still really hard. Yeah. I was if, so. What was it? It was about uh, 175 kilometres and um, around 11,000 metres climbing. Now, the reason I don't know exact is because my watch died, and everyone, of course, had slightly different data, so yeah. I'm sort of averaging it. Um, so it was a lot of climbing, and a lot of it is quite rugged and backcountry, like. The part through the Viking section is um, wilderness area, so it's really rugged and there's lots of scrambling on rocks and bashing your way through undergrowth and all that sort of stuff. So it's not just um, completing the course, it's completing a very tough, often unrunnable course. Yeah, wow. Um, and so you – I watched the um, – the, the little dot, the live tracker. <laughs> and Move I very saw, slowly, yes. Oh, look, Sorry. It is, it's so hard. To, it's, it's really hard to see. Uh, try and When you watch it for the whole time, you can sort of see these little stories unfolding um, yeah. with the dot. But um, I saw you at one point fairly early in the race, you were second place. And I knew, because you you, I think you were in second place, and um, I knew that you were going to win. And that was before you were even at halfway. And so... Well, all I know is at the start of the race, like, because I'm notoriously a slow starter, I was like third from last out of the entire, out of everybody. Yeah, Because I could look behind me and see the the last two people behind me. Um, But that's the way I start. And I always just slowly pick everyone off. But I have to admit to have having had um, problems right from the start, like calf problems, which have plagued me still no so um and it's been five or six weeks since the race and i'm still not running but yeah i was having trouble with my calves right from the start which made my start slower but yeah i tend not to take the lead from the start i don't do that generally so i've I've got to ask about the injury hang on um yeah the calves what is wrong well i've got a um or I've had a compressed um, perineal nerve in the left calf. And just in the race, my left leg kept sort of collapsing and just feeling really weird because nerve, a compressed nerve is a very weird feeling. And it would feel weird and it would just collapse on me, and which made then my right leg do all the work, which was making my hip flexor and my right leg really sore and fatigued. And I just felt kind of like I was dragging my legs behind me. And I, I couldn't do a lot of running, so it was really good it wasn't a very runnable course because I really couldn't properly run um and so since the race i had um tingling and numbness in my left leg up to my knee for like the first three or four weeks after the race 
which made even walking hard. And then um, they've managed to loosen off the muscle off the nerve. And But, of course, my muscle has, since it hasn't been firing because the nerve hasn't been working, um, I've lost lots of strength. So it's just getting all that strength back now. Strength back, yeah. So yeah. did you injure your foot? Like, is that how you got the perineal nerve? No, because the perineal, it's more sort of halfway up the calf. It was yeah, um, control it's a tight foot. muscle. That's, yes, it controls the foot. So, which was why my legs sort of would keep collapsing because I just didn't sort of have control over my foot. And yeah. um, because I couldn't do any kind of push off on my toe, it was basically a flat foot as well. Yeah, oh, um, yeah you would. Yeah, so um, it just made everything so much harder. But, um, but yeah, yeah, you know, I'm getting there. And um, we don't actually know what caused it as such. Right, okay. And so what's the what's the recovery time going to be on this? So well, you know, they loosened the calf off about a week and a half ago, and I was thinking, all right, straight back into it, you know, within a week or so. But he, yeah. was, when I saw the physio yesterday, he said it could take six to eight weeks to get the strength fully back in my calf. Yeah, that must be very frustrating. Um, yeah, it yeah. is. But you know, I'm trying to be philosophical, and I'm thinking that perhaps. It's really good for me to have a bit of a break from running and I'm doing lots of cycling and building up my strength that way that maybe this is just yeah. what my body needed to refresh. That's a really mature way of looking at it. And, um, <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, it's a, bit, a bit of time off over summer sounds like a move, a good one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, so and you, you're spending a bit of time on a Duradisc? What's that? Um, it's a balancing device for strengthening your feet. Uh, yes, um, I've just started on the balancing this week because um, I, I can't balance on that left leg. Like I just, I can my right leg fine, my left leg I just fall over as soon as I try to balance. Yeah. So we've started on that. I've been doing other strengthening work, but this week we're starting on the balancing. Excellent. Sorry, I've just just in my previous work did a lot of work with that sort of stuff. Ah, no, uh, okay. Hence, hence the questions. Good question. Yeah, Ash, no, it's, you it, can ask more. Good question. Yeah, I um I just wanted to uh, ask too. You said it's a a pretty unrunnable course, the Great Southern Endurance. So you're obviously a good hiker. Yes. And so, what does so how and this is something I talk about a lot with with people I coach is how do you become a good hiker and what what sort of did you. Because it's not just, oh, I'm a fast runner, therefore I'm a good hiker, because it's different. No, the biomechanics no. different, you know? Like, So what did you do? Did you do lots of hiking? Well, firstly, I grew up bushwalking, so I'm used to that sort of thing. Secondly, um, what I do is I do use my poles and hiking. I Like my second workout of a day, if I do a second workout, might be hiking up in the hills. Or if I couldn't be bothered going to the hills, I even just walk fast around the streets, which – looks probably really, you know, silly, but I just walk really, really fast and I'm still looking at my pace, trying to get my pace down. It's just learning to walk with purpose so that you're not just strolling along like a Sunday afternoon, but it's, it's yeah. you, you have to practice hiking. You have to practice it uphill, but you also have to practice it on the flats, which is good that I did because I couldn't even run the flats. So I just hiked super fast the, the flats, which was almost at running speed. I was able to hike that fast. Wow. That's really cool. I, um, yeah. I've gotten better at hiking. I'm, I would still say I, um, I, I'm, a, I'm not a great hiker in terms of when it, especially coming to a steep hill, because obviously yeah. you get to a, you get to a point on a very steep hill and it becomes more efficient to, to hike. Yeah. 
you know, of they course. say they say it's about twenty percent gradient. Um, where running is just a waste of energy. Um, yeah. So, but it's yeah, that that's really good. What sort of pace? I generally you... hike most hills. I don't really think yeah. about the gradient. I just think about yeah. efficiency, and I can run it, but I know that my heart rate will get that much higher, which yeah. means that will burn me out that much quicker. Yeah. So, and do you use poles when you're hiking? Um, I do sometimes. Yeah, I've got I've got mm. poles, and I, I um I know I the first time I used poles was when I did the the Buffalo Stampede going the ultra for that one. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. were really valuable in that. And and yeah. um, they just the weight distribution is so good, you know, like um, yeah, you feel. But I don't know, like I'm doing a race in New Zealand in a few weeks and I'm sort of, I'm sort of leaning towards not bringing the poles, even though it's quite a no. It's a mountain race. It's the, what, what's, what's the distance and elevation? So it's, it's a hundred, it's a hundred K race or just over a hundred kilometers yep. and it's about four and a half thousand meters of climbing. Um, mm, so, okay. Yeah. But there is, there is at least 30 kilometers of just yep. flat road. Um, and so the the first part. But you can always pack your poles away for that section. Yeah, there's no. And here's the thing: though, there's no super. I mean, there are some steep bits, but they're mostly long climbs as opposed to really steep climbs. Ah, uh, so okay, I, yeah. I, like whereas something like the around um, around Bright where you were and where the Buffalo um, Stampede was. Um, it's, you know, some of the gradients are over 40%, you know, yeah, that's you know, right. getting, and so, whereas this one, there's a lot of gradients that are just between 20 and 30, which is still very steep, but I, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, you might, so, you're almost better off just doing your hiking, just hiking, if you're going to hike, just, but, but you're walking fast, because you, you can, you can walk pretty fast, you know, even with yeah. the poles. Yeah. I you just know, think about not, sorry. not redlining it. I'm sorry, Ash? Yeah. Yeah, look, with poles, um, like I I got to the stage, we, the whole packing away and, and pulling poles back out thing. Yeah. I, I've stopped packing poles away. I just carry them now. like that, And that's how I train too. I train yeah, and in to my be hands honest, just like there are. Yeah. And I'll hold them at the halfway, you know, yeah, so they're yeah, balanced. Yeah. And I just yeah. run holding the they're poles. Right. And, and I've Do got lighter and lighter poles one- do you hold them in one hand or um, a pole in each hand? I will hold them in one hand when I'm getting a drink or food, but I will hold yep. them in both hands when I'm normally yep. running so as that I'm balanced. Yes, that's right, because I was going to say that's what's important too. But, yeah, I don't pack mine away, to be honest, um, unless I – no, actually, I don't. I generally carry them the whole time too because I find it a pain. But if you had 30 kilometres of flat, then I probably would for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky because I do know they do provide a, a noticeable advantage. And I remember when I did Buffalo a few years ago and, you know, even with all that climbing and those steep yeah. climbs, my quads weren't sore at all the next day. I mean, I yeah. was tired, but my my, up, my upper body was sore because and that, that told me yeah. that I was using the poles a fair bit. And um, yeah. so I think – and, like, you sort of think about the distribution of – and, and like what what part of your body you're using the whole body and there's a sort that's of, right yeah and because I always people, is that, that's something that comes up a lot too is talking about how to use poles effectively and obviously 
that's something that you do a lot of, isn't it? Now, because you're 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 at the point where you're coaching people how to use poles. Yeah, well, I um I give clinics on how to use poles effectively because it, it's not uh, intuitive necessarily, um, unless no. like you've spent your youth skiing or something like that. Um, because it takes a little bit of thought on how to uh, synchronize it and also the the weight distribution and really. Because there's no point in having poles and just tapping them. You really need to use them and use them with once again with purpose, like you're walking, because it it is a way of distributing your energy load and weight load throughout the body, rather than just putting it all through the legs. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So, um, do you change? Just without giving away too many of your trade secrets, do you change? Do you, <laughs> Isn't um, that what we were meant to do? I know. I'm, so what are some, like I know a few, I use a few different techniques of the poles going uphill, yep. um, depending on the gradient. Um, yep. I know that there's the... So you can, a, use, um, you can use the poles alternating or you can double pole when it gets really steep. Yeah. And also I just sometimes find even if it's really steep, putting my hands on top of the pole, not just on gripping it like normal. And, and um, definitely using... Uh, the handles on it, or if you're using the lakey poles, the gloves, to use them to pull so you're not gripping the handle so tightly. Yeah. There's, di- there's different ways of manoeuvring your hands around, which changes the the lever and, and the action, you know, and, and the way that you're using it. Yeah. yeah. Do you know one of the things it's that one I of those find... things that... Yeah. Go. No, no, go. And then I'll say. So no, you what go. I was going to say, I find a lot of people use... They put their hands through the poles incorrectly. So yeah. through the straps, those who aren't using the lecky gloves, yeah. so yeah. those who are using uh, like the black diamonds, you've got to put your hand up from the bottom and then exactly. come down yeah. to hold yes. on, and then that allows yeah. you to use the strap correctly. Um, yeah, and it also means that if you fall, yeah. you won't you won't break your thumb. Yeah. Yes, which I always have found with those loop handles is is a, a you know something I was concerned about is that you know they can catch on your hand so yeah your ways is much better to eliminate that yeah that's a really good point actually that's something i um i once i learned that i found with my i use the, the masters pole and they've got the loop oh yeah i've and, got them yeah, too yep yeah and they um they're really they're quite good like they're very light i think um but they do in like you the way i found with the holding on is i'm i'm barely holding on to the poles most of the time yeah the, the loop is doing most of the work and I, from what i gather that's good you know because if you're yes, holding that is. if you're gripping yep. them too hard you're going to end up with massive blisters as well like after if you're doing it for hours and hours and hours so um well it's just like clenching any part of your body it's going to be you know using energy and it's wasted energy yeah exactly um, no, it's interesting. So moving forward, the the pole, mm-hmm. the, the pole, using poles, so interesting. And I know lots of people are keen to know more about that. And so they definitely should go um, check out your peak endurance coaching thing. And, um, you know, you're the, yep, you yep, are because I hold regular clinics on that. So, yeah, yep. keep an eye out. Excellent. Um, the other thing is, so moving forward into once you recover from this injury, so yes. going, you, uh, you've signed up for another little, another fun run of sorts. Yeah, just, well, hopefully a fun run, if not more. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a little, a bit of an adventure in the woods, yes. Yeah, can you tell us about that race? So yeah, so I'm off to Barclay again, um, and 
you know, at first I was a bit freaking out about the whole injury thing, but ultimately this um, time where I'm not spending so much time running, although cycling is quite time consuming too, uh, is I'm I'm working a lot on my navigation because obviously that was my greatest weakness last time, this year still, but last time. And yeah. um, so I'm really working on the nav. I've got some uh, a guy called Greg who is helping me and teaching me all the finer points and how to, you know, not just read a map, but to actually see the map in the landscape and that sort of thing. It's it's learning to read the land, which yeah. thus helps with your navigation because navigation is not just looking at a compass and pointing it in the right direction. It's it's so much more than that. Yeah. I totally agree with you. It's been really interesting. I grew up doing a lot of navigation work oh, okay. um, through scouts and venturers yep. and – uh, stuff like that. I remember it particularly being uh, one time away with a group and we had a, a so-called leader to take us on this trip and uh, yeah. they had got us completely lost. And I said, this is where we are on the map. And they go, oh, I don't think we are. And I go, yes, we are. We're <laughs> that far off course. Um, we're right here. If we walk through that bush there for a couple of hundred meters, we're going to end up on top of a cliff. And oh, wow. we did. And then yeah. uh, after that, it was... We'll just check with Ashley each time before we uh, <laughs> make a decision as to where we're going. But, um, yeah, learning to – it's one of the things that I've noticed with the ultra-running community. They can all run, but very few yeah. people know where they are in the bush without their – well, without their watch or without their phone on. Um, yeah. You know, and understand And to be honest, I've, I'm, I'm guilty of that too. Normally when I do a race, I'm just looking for those confidence ribbons the whole time, you know? Yeah. Yes, and I think it, it can lead us astray because if you know if there's the ribbons have been taken down by someone else or something, then yeah, you're left in a position where you don't know where you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I and that and that happened this year too. I was uh, I went out early in the morning just for a run, um, and I ran part of a course that I knew was going to be raced later that day, and uh, yeah. literally the public had gone through and taken down. 10 kilometres worth of ribbons. Ah, oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. I don't understand So, that. And they had to be put back no. up really quickly. Lucky you went out. Yeah, well, I, I just I messaged the organiser and said, you, know, you don't have any ribbons from this point to this point. And they've gone, yeah, we do. But they're every 200 <laughs> metres. And it's like, not anymore. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that's something that happens here in, um, in Adelaide as well, quite often, whether people doing it as a joke or doing it to be uh, malicious I'd like to think they're doing it as a joke and not really aware of the consequences because I think anyone yeah. that does that kind of thing for, um, because they're angry or whatever, they've got some serious problems. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So um, tell us a bit more about your um, – yeah, so about Barclay, Barclay Marathons. Well, so um, – as, as I've said, I'm, I'm working on the navigation and yeah. obviously I want to get fit and strong and I'm, I'm finding the mountain biking doing, you know, hills and I get on the trainer and push a heavy uh, gearing, which will help get my legs stronger because Barclay has some really steep climbs and not just steep climbs, but steep downhills too. And talking about poles, like poles for my mind are really necessary at um Barclay, because it's not just the steep climbs and ascents and descents, whatever. It's also as you get fatigued, uh, you really need the poles to to help you navigate through the bush. 
And a lot mm-hmm. of Barclay is off trail, so that hence the navigation. So, yeah, so that's um, early in the year, and um, I've just got to get wow. all, all that all that sorted again. Luckily, I now have all the gear, so I don't have to worry about buying all my stuff. I've got all my gear, got all that organised, got crew organised. So, yeah. Great. It should, be, it should be interesting, and hopefully, fingers crossed, I will come back to Australia with a much better result than, than the first one time. And you want, you're hoping for at least a fun run, aren't you, which is three laps? Yes. I mean, that's you have to aim for, yeah. you know, your best possible. No, So mm. no woman has done a fun run for like 11 or 12 years or something, and 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 the course was easier back then. Of course, it was still very hard, but as you know, or I don't know if you do know, but yeah. every year Laz makes the course it, yeah. harder. Yeah, he makes yeah. it harder so, in theory, yeah. Yep. Yeah, oh, believe you me, it wasn't just in theory. Like he added an extra book, so <laughs> an extra that's book. got to add extra time. Yeah, yeah. So, do you, you know, do you think, um, will you be more uh, self-sufficient this time? Do you think, or do you think it's still valuable to to latch on to another athlete? You know, for uh, a while? I think it's still valuable to be with someone because. Um, you know, company is, is good, especially during the night when you start to second guess yourself or get confused. You've, you've got someone else there. Simple things like when um when I was out that night, my my head torch went flat. Just having someone else with a head torch so I could find my fresh battery and that sort of thing, you know, yeah. is makes life so much easier. And just having someone there to go, it's okay, look, look we'll find, you know, just that psychological support, even regardless of the navigating and that sort of stuff, it's still good to have someone with you. Yeah. Um, do you know? And it'd be dark the, out there too. Like there'd be, oh, so there's dark. no lights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just a different. Like I think I know a lot of people talk about Barclays. So it would be their bucket list race. And now here you are, yeah. um, towing the line for the second time. Yeah. And um, I know I can't believe it. <laughs> it's it's awesome, you know. And look, I think yeah. you'll definitely run probably go better than than last time. But it's obviously navigation. You, you learned so much the first time. Do you think you're, aside from this little injury that you've got, and I'm, de- I'm deliberately yep. minimizing it because we don't want to think it's too much. Um, <laughs> no, you, that's right. Do you, do you think you're a stronger athlete than you were last year? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like mentally so much stronger. Um, I had a really tough time um, before that race for a number of reasons. And... Um, but I think, you know, I know it sounds cliched, but every time you go something really, go through something really tough, it makes you stronger as a person. So, and whether it's from your personal life or your running, it, it can make all aspects of your life better or easier to manage. Um, so I think I learned a lot then. I, um, I was also super intimidated by the whole concept of being at Barclay. So yeah. I think, this year, I'm, I mean, I'm still, I'm still really respectful of it, but I've kind of been there. I kind of know what it's all about, as in what to do when you arrive and that sort of thing. So that yeah. at least I don't have that fear inside me completely of the unknown. Yeah. Did you ever, um, I know a lot of people do, and I know I did on my first sort of, or my first 100K, and everyone goes through this, that whole imposter syndrome. I imagine you probably oh, had that yes. last year. You know? Oh, completely, because like, I felt like, you know, did he did he make a mistake letting me in kind of thing? You know, like, <laughs> I just felt like I totally didn't belong there. 
Yeah. But doesn't yeah. He, he picks a sacrificial lamb anyway, doesn't he? <laughs> I, and I was so worried I was going to be that person, but I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And I doubt you're going to be that person this year. Um, definitely, well, definitely not. Not once you've done it once. Yeah. There's no way Are you could be that person. Do you know, have you got Well, the person who was a sacrificial lamb last year or, or last race was someone who had DNF before, so you never know. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, so that's, that's amazing. Do you know? Um, do you, are, you, are you given in advance? Are you given the race, the list of the other athletes? Do you know who's going to be there? Yeah, I mean, I I know who's, who's in it, but I'm I'm not going to say. I can't say. You're not allowed to. That part. Of, I know no. there's a lot, a lot of rules. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's up to it's, if they want to tell people they can, but it's I can't say who's in and not in. Yeah. It's like a secret society, this thing. You know, that's <laughs> probably the most compelling thing about the whole race to me is just like the, all the enigma around it and around just, just finding out how to sign up for it. Um, I, I'm not going to even try and ask you any questions about how to do it because I know that, nah. because I know that I don't really, I don't want to do it. I know you, she's like a vault. She's a steel vault. You, know, <laughs> you, you can have a shot, Ashley, if you want. <laughs> Uh, no, no, yeah. I, um, I actually, I got asked the other day if I was going to race, um, overseas and I, yeah. and I, I came back with the response of, if you're willing to pay my insurance bill, I'll race <laughs> overseas, but, um, I am not willing to pay that. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So not even Europe? No. Well, the problem is I've got stage four cancer. If yes. if I then if if I then go to race with stage four cancer, would they uh, even insure you? you? You're insh- no, and this is just it. They probably won't. So if I end up getting ill during a race, like I can't, everything will be completely out of pocket expense wise. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just not. Um, well, going if, look, if it was me personally, I didn't have a family, I didn't have kids. M- yeah. Maybe I'd put myself in that scenario but there's no way that i'm going to do that to no family yeah so yes i would love to race overseas and i would be the first person probably to apply for barclay if i could but um yeah because i was going to say with your navigation experience it would be something that you would probably quite enjoy oh look it'd definitely be fun and it's 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 one of the things that i genuinely enjoy doing is going completely off track um yeah when I venture out and finding new, new routes, and that's ended up with me getting myself in trouble at times where I've gone, <laughs> oh, that'll be a two-hour run, and it's been an eight-hour run yeah. because, <laughs> you know, there's just not enough detail sometimes in maps, yeah. which is what I was going to ask is how are you picking a line? Can you describe um, how you're well, picking a line? Well, there is actually a course. There is a course. So yes, but how close to that course do you have to stick? As close as humanly possible. You're not allowed to go off course, really. It's not like a fell race, because like in a fell race, um, you can pick your own. You just have to get to the checkpoint. It doesn't matter which way you go there. But in this, this is not a fell race. You you have to stick to the the line of the course as much as, as is humanly possible within your own navigational experience. Right, okay, so he will send you through um, yep. like a terrible section of bush because yep. 
Yeah, if, if that's what he's If you were, if you were in a fell, fell race, is different because there's not much in the way of that sort of stuff. But that's if you're doing right. that here in Australia and there was a lantana patch, you'd go around it. You wouldn't go through it. Yeah. Whereas he's yeah, saying no, it, you I need mean, to go through it. Yeah. Yeah, you must nice. go, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That makes I mean, a lot although harder. how they how they monitor that, I, I don't know, but it's it's kind of you know the honesty system of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you allowed to track it on Strava? <laughs> no. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> oh no! No kudos on Strava for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> was it um? There was a guy. Is it John Kelly? Is he one of the guys that's done it yep. recently? Yeah. Um, didn't I think he went well, out? He's and... won it a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. There's him and that Jared guy that have won it. Jared's yep. done it three times. He um, yeah. It obviously must get easier to complete, in a sense. Those, those you, guys, you would surely think so. Yeah. yeah. Because as you, it's it's like any race when you become more familiar with the terrain, it's yeah. easier. And John Kelly lives in that area apparently. And so. Well, uh, he used to. He lives in uh, England now, but yeah, yeah, he yeah. he used to live around that way. Is it nice? Is it nice around? Like, it looks like a, a, a shitty hellhole, to be quite honest. To be honest, <laughs> you're not going there for the beauty of, of, of nature there. Because also, it's the end of winter. Everything's, you know, there's no leaves on the trees. Everything's pretty grey and average. Yeah. But, but I don't know about you, but even when I go to the most beautiful scenic races, when I'm racing, I don't see it. Yeah. It's a waste anyway. I, it's... I know trail running's wasted on trail runners. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really I, is. I definitely go out of my way to notice the surroundings, especially so it gives me something to focus on if I'm feeling terrible. Um, and so, well, uh, I try to do that, but then I just end up falling over stuff. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. See, that's you, for me. That's what the training's about. Is is about going out and seeing exactly. all the sights. And the yeah. racing yes. is about not racing, not, be, racing. not being able to see. Oh. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Ash. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm in the minority on that one, but it's all right. <laughs> um, that's cool. Um, no, I'm interested. Oh, look, this race I'm doing in New Zealand, the Ultra Easy. It, the, oh yeah, it's very exciting. The scenery is really beautiful. You know, you've got the Lake Wanaka, and you're up you're up at around two thousand meters, and you've got just clear views all over. You know, all over the yeah that area. So assuming that the weather's good, but um. So yeah, no, but it's we're funny, we're funny creatures, us trail runners. It's not, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of times I will be in a race, and the only bit of the scenery I notice is the the, the two meters in front of me because yeah. I'm looking at the ground. <laughs> and um, we do that though. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, it's funny because I could probably draw each aid station that I stop at, and actually, <laughs> even now from the races I've done, I could probably you know that that are old. Races, I could probably tell you where each individual food item is on the table. <laughs> You're paying close attention. That's what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny. Yeah, no one noticed the, the epic landscape or whatever. Um, I, no. I, I don't know about you, but I often find that I don't remember a lot of what of the race itself. Do you get that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah your mind, your mind goes a bit foggy, and you just don't have yeah. the. Um, that's what I find after a race. Like if I've pushed really hard in a race, yes. is for the week afterwards, you better not ask me to do any maths. No. <laughs> yeah. My brain's just not in yeah. a good place to do that sort of function. No, um, exactly. Yeah. 
It's really interesting um, talking because um, something I've been reading about a bit lately is um, yeah about building the mental strength in for ultra runners because it's obviously you know they say running an ultra it's fifty percent physical and ninety percent mental. <laughs> well, I've heard uh, it's ninety percent mental and the rest is in your head. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. Actually, That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. There's a guy named um, Samuel Markura, who's a, a exercise psychologist, and he's done all these amazing, um, what do you call it, like studies about yeah. imp- looking at the mental strength of um, of ultra runners and 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 neuroscience behind it all, and how to improve um, oh, mental okay. toughness. And one of the things they did a study, and they did a thing called the Stroop test. You can Google it. Oh, it's yes. very and the Stroop test basically it's to, but they, they gave it a version of it to athletes. They had a, a control group and a group of athletes um who were exercising at low intensity over a period of time. So uh they and they basically so the Stroop test is where you get a whole heap of let words flash up on the screen and it'll be in front of you. So if you're running on a treadmill they're doing it. And so it's just a mentally taxing activity. So it'll have the word, the word purple. Um, uh-huh. And, and I, I, I haven't done the test, but I know basically, so it might say the word purple, but the word might be written in green. And so, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. so you have to try and identify the words that are the, you have to say the color of the word and not the actual word and or vice versa. And so, and yeah. the men, that just that mental, that little mental task, they reckon, and they saw a huge um, performance increase in the people, in those athletes that did the test. They were, their ability to continue on to, to fatigue increased by some stupid percentage. Now, I don't... So they, worth, were, they were... So do, fatiguing themselves mentally, they were able to get better physical performance? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I would have thought it would be the other way around. What, why is that? Well, I mean, the whole point because is, I would have thought if you're physically fatigued, your mental, your if you're mentally fatigued, your physical would drop off. I would have well, thought. Absolutely, yeah, that's true. But the whole point of it was to to uh, to stimulate that growth. You know what I mean? Like, and so so almost train yourself to deal with that mental fatigue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and it looks really interesting and I, 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 like, I need to do more reading about it, but it's something I, I want to look at for some of the athletes, for myself and for some athletes that I train is think of ways to improve that mental toughness, you know, improve yeah. that, um, the, your ability to go to fatigue, go push, push beyond, like, cause they did, a, they did another study where to test you, uh, they, there's been a lot of studies where getting people to do a VO2 max test and then, at the end of that, give them a short break and go, okay, now go beyond that for 30 seconds, yeah. you know, and um, yeah. and depending on what the motivating factor is, um, however, like how it's motivated, like if they offer them like a large sum of money or, you know, a sum of money oh, or, okay. or something like that, they can suddenly, they, they find the ability to go beyond it. Like, <laughs> so it's, yeah. um, it's really interesting. So the, like muscle fatigue, and, and it, it goes into that whole um, thing that what's his name the the central governor in our brain that, yep. that was talked yep. about by the no, uh, yeah Noakes isn't it yep. no. yeah yeah Noakes. yeah so it's it's really some really fascinating stuff there and I think 
like you say, it's so much of it's in your head. It could be yeah. something worth exploring. I'm, and I'm always open. And Markura um, is, has been doing this sort of stuff for a long time. So definitely yeah. check out Samuel Markura and the Stroop Test. Yeah. Mm, so. That sounds interesting. But also part of mental fatigue is, you know, the brain runs purely on glucose. So it's keeping your um, it's keeping on eating while you're, you're right there. Fueling, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's another thing. So during a, in Barclay, like, how much food do you need to carry? In, well, obviously like, you have to be self-sufficient because you don't have aid stations. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So like last time I was out there for sixteen hours and fully self-sufficient. There was one spot where you can get water, but that's it. And if it's like because it's around the end of winter, if it's really cold, that water is just frozen ice blocks. Yeah. So um, I needed, I need to be have enough food, but I don't plan on being out there for 16 hours, obviously. And once again, I don't. And, and, but I tend not to eat heaps when I'm, when I'm running, but if I'm hoping to be out there for a while, I need a decent amount of food. And, I mean, with GSER, I mean, I was out for 44 hours. Yeah. But um, I wouldn't say that I ate stacks in that time but it was enough and I think you'd be surprised how little food you can have it's the water you must keep hydrating to me it's drinking that's the most important yeah right interesting yeah well obviously you're not going to dehydration definitely knocks you around way faster than way than hypoglycemia yeah well you can't digest and and also I, I find it really hard to digest any kind of nutrition if I'm not adequately hydrated and therefore that would lead to gastric distress so for me yeah. hydration is key yeah right and, and how like, how do you gauge that I know how I just gauge how it, I feel I'll, I'll mention that in a second but okay yeah just I just basically like in GSCI I'd be going oh I can feel I can feel like I need food I just I don't know I just can feel it and and I'll eat and and I'm Make myself eat at other times, but sometimes it'll be like, no, my body's saying, right, this minute I have to eat no matter what. Other times I can just time it, but sometimes my body just says, eat right this minute, and then I just do, as much as I don't want to. What about hydration? Hydration? Yeah, how do you know when you're having sufficient hydration? When I'm I'm not feeling sick, as long as I I just keep sipping. Because otherwise I know from experience that if I don't just keep sipping that I, I lose the ability to eat anything. Mm. Right. Okay. What about you, Daniel? How do you gauge how much fluid to take in? Well, this is not very pretty, but obviously I, I pay attention to my the colour of my wee, you know, and it's, yeah. um, and that's what they say, you know. If it, and, you know, if I'm, if I'm peeing out like liquid gold, so to speak, it's if it's too golden, <laughs> you're not drinking enough, you know. And um, and so, but you also you don't want to be running running completely clear all the time as well. So it's it, because you, it means you don't want to have flushed out. You can overhydrate, and um, but it is obviously, if, and and like the Heisen 105 this year was actually quite mild weather wise. Um, it was in some parts it was quite cold, and so. I know there was a lot of people that got into trouble through lack of hydration because they thought mm. it's not as hot, they don't need to drink as much, but you're yeah. still sweating, you know? And um, so it, I just try and – I'm just i a, I'm a sipper. 
I, I sip a lot and yeah. I and I'm a, I'm a nibbler when it comes. I just I eat. Yeah. I probably eat a lot more than most people. I mean, for my size, I um, I'm always nibbling and but I'm always sipping. How about yourself, Ashley? What do you do? So I I gauge it on two things now. I I go with how many times I'm going and urinating per hour. Yeah. So I I need to pee once to twice an hour, and if I've stopped oh, wow. doing that, mm. if I've stopped doing that, then I I need to increase my hydration, and then yeah, I go on the colour of the the pee. But um, Ooh, that's I, I a actually lot of times count. to go to the toilet, isn't it? It is a lot. Yeah. No. No. Is that, I don't find that that is at all. Like you probably, want to be. Wow. He's probably right. I, I'm probably. I mean, in Heisen 105, 100k race, um, I peed two times, which is probably not enough, you know. <laughs> so. But it's yeah. also, and I hate to say this, but for a girl, it's a lot. It's we had to go once or twice every hour. It'd be a real. My goodness, the amount I, of time you drop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's where you see the like the top runners who are go out and practice peeing while they're actually running. I've never oh, been yeah. able to do that. I just can't. Well, do it, but, and for a girl, yeah. once again, <laughs> I don't think yeah, I'd difficult. want to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's hard enough going, like, for a girl to go to the toilet when you're in the middle of the bush. Mm. So, you know, yeah. Oof. No, once every, one, no, not once every hour. For me, no way. And certainly for GSI, yeah, I probably went three times in 44 hours. Wow. So yeah. so, yeah, so if, if I did that, I'd, I'd end up dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. But is, can I ask, Ash, is that related at all to the cancer that you might need oh, look, to go it, it could be. It's just something that I've worked out over time um, that I need to do. I, I used to not go that frequently, but once I started going yeah. that frequently, my, my pace increased. Ah. Uh, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And and I didn't and I don't suffer uh, you know gastric distress when I'm going that yep. often. I think so. the biggest the biggest takeaway from all this though is that most people don't drink enough, and I think mm. that um you even in cooler weather and I, I just it's it's about paying attention to what you're yep. what you're actually doing and not just you know. And going, okay, and yeah, either, whether it's paying attention to how your mouth feels, like is it how dry your mouth is, or how much you're sweating, or whether you're not sweating at all, or if you've, if you, you know, or your colour of your wee, and also, but the other thing is like, if you suddenly, if you're like, oh, I'm getting a headache, there's a pretty good mm-hmm. chance you're probably dehydrated, you know, like, yeah. um, so the human body, here's a fun fact, when it's, when it's 38 degrees outside, so this, this is very uh, pertinent for summer. The human, average human loses 1.4 litres of fluid per hour just walking around outside. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. So because we lose it through our breath and we lose it through yes. our sweat. And yeah. So, yeah. And so then you add in a bit of excess, a bit of um, activity and you're going to be losing a lot. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So very fascinating. Which is my excuse for not having gone to the toilet so much because I lost it all through sweat. So, you must you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you lose weight? So, no, I didn't lose weight. So, yeah. you know. You obviously ate well. Yeah. Sorry, Ash. Yeah. I was going to say, have, have either of you tried the um, the trick of sucking on a rock? Oh, no. 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 So you put small pebbles in your mouth. It was a, a, a trick that they use um, for getting through dehydration, and that is you pick up a pebble oh, okay. and you suck on a pebble. 
and it actually convinces your brain that you're more hydrated than you are. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you tried it? I have um, tried and, it. And? And did you crack all your teeth, or did you? I was about to say I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it, but in a desperate situation, I would definitely do it. Does it matter if it's if it's an igneous rock or a sedimentary <laughs> rock? I, sedimentary I don't think rock? that the rock type matters. I wouldn't want to be sucking on a you know a lead rock, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't suck on any rocks around Mount Isa. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. Here's a good idea. <laughs> Are you gonna? I'm gonna go to the aid station and go ask them if they've got any uh, any fresh rocks. Any fresh rocks? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's an interesting one. It's a bit like the um, there was this the study that was done about the mouth swish of the electrolyte. Oh yes, yeah. That's, right. That's interesting. You know about that one, Ashley? Yes. Yeah, absorbing it through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even even just what they did, they actually got a group of people to run on a on a in the experiment, they had one group where they were they had a nasogastric tube going up, and they were giving them the fluid. It was bypassing their mouth, and so it was going directly into their stomach. And they were doing the activity, um, and then there was other people who were just mouth swishing, and the people who were mouth swishing had just as there was no their athletic performance was the same, if not the better. Same. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, but, no, so it's the, yeah. the human body is an amazing thing. It is weird. Yeah, it and, is. It is a truly amazing thing. That is for sure. What yeah, it does, yeah, and how it functions, oh, it just is just mind blowing. Yeah, I, I'm. It is, isn't it? It yeah, really is. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And and when you You're think you've had enough, about, you, you haven't. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. And also, everyone is so individual and different, and that what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for the other. Oh, totally, totally, yeah. yeah. That's one of the yeah. things that always spins me out is when I see another gel come onto the market, and I go, yeah, "How many cool. gels do we need on the market?" But the fact yeah. is, there's so yeah. many runners now, you know. Yes, that's that, true. That there's something different for everybody because everybody functions slightly different. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's interesting. Actually, that brings me to a topic that I want to bring up today. So, yep. you know, we're right, like, we've, coached, we've covered some really interesting, um, interesting topics, but I want to talk about what I think is probably the holy grail question of trail running. Um, yes. and that is, and that is, um, how much, or basically, we can, I can probably word this question a number of ways, but what mm-hmm. is the optimum, optimum amount of, um, vert that we should look for in our training and um, generally versus the flat running. And so, because I know that we look at the... So you're not asking how much vert, but the percentage of vert to flat? Um, well, more or less, right. yeah. Could, we can cover that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. So, yeah, basically, what, yeah, what, what percentage, for, like what the, what the... I think I said the word ratio when I sent you the message. Um, sort of what's yeah. our ratio of... Flat yep. to vert, and even looking at something like the race that you just did, the GSCR, which probably has not a lot of flat running in it at all, no. but it's uh, you know that's an extreme example. But was but in flat saying that, I only did um, yeah, I only did probably one run a week focusing on vert. Yeah. Um, and because well, firstly, I have a lot of it, you know, in the bank already. Yes. Um, but I have just found that if I focus purely 
overt, I become too. And that's why I still think you need to focus on flat running. Yes. So too slow. Oh, I missed what you said then. You become too what? Slow. If I'm just slow, overt, yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. If I'm just focusing on getting vert, 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 that's all I'm focusing on. I'm, you become slow. Yeah. That's been my stronger. experience. What has been your experience? Uh, Ash, no, do you want to go, go first? I, I agree there that if you there's, – there's two things. One, vert actually takes a little while to recover from. Yeah, um, yeah. Like to really recover from because it, it does work completely different sets of muscles. And rather than doing um, like continuous vert days, I would personally prefer to see someone do – like a vert day and then an agility day. So I was that they're working yeah. agility, but agility can be done at speed, whereas vert is difficult to do. So when at you say speed. an agility day, what are you what are you meaning? What are you meaning by an agility day? So it's changing your stride length constantly, um, mm-hmm. and also practicing a lot of balancing. Yeah. So okay, so you would jump, say like going up for rock, run, doing some stride. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be, you know, running like a hundred meters, but every 10 meters, your stride length has to change. Um, yep. stuff like that. So is that it's just, it's using your brain differently. Uh, it also yep. can be doing a lot of weeding. Um, yep. which is going to help like you as a trail runner too. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I think flat running, you do need to get speed in there. And it's not yeah. just flat too. You can do very slight descent, so you're doing overspeed. Yes. Um, but not overspeed where it's so fast that you get an acute, yes. or you can get an acute injury. It's just yeah. I used to do, know, uh, and I still do some of my intervals on a slight downhill or a slight uphill because it it just it does change the mechanics of it. Yeah. And um and the downhill does help you to learn to get that overspeed sort of, yeah, like you were saying. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that if, if you keep doing back-to-back days of, of vertical, it yeah. you pay for that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I would, um, I guess, we're, I think we're all surprisingly very on a similar side of the fence here, and that, and that is um, where I, I, I believe, yeah, you can do too much. I think you need to get used to running. You need to get the leg strength. But um, Yes. So I... The the I do I offset things with with weight training as well, and um that's, and I was going to bring that uh, up. I think that's important too. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've done this block of this last few months. I haven't done a great deal of climbing compared to what I've done in previous years, but I feel faster and stronger on the hills. And I and I mean I know I'm a I'm a a test group of one, but <laughs> and I think because I have I have really focused so much more. On my flat ground speed, and then I will, yeah. I will, I'll go. Then I'll go and do a nice easy trail run and get up the hill. Because the way I look at it is, I'm thinking of it in terms of power and um, yes. my power output. When I'm so I go out and do these threshold runs on the flat, and you know, and people, and it seems weird because it's sort of a marathon focused activity. And so my, you know, I might go 20 or 30 minutes running at my lactate threshold, and it's a bloody hard workout. And but yes. I, I'm I'm pushing my my aerobic my my aerobic threshold higher by doing that. Yes. So what are you doing when you're going up a hill? That's exactly what you're doing. You're pushing exactly. your but you're pushing your aerobic threshold, but you're also 
building leg, you're building leg strength, um, and that that leg. But the problem is you're not building any speed though. So the, the fast twitch muscle fibers aren't getting engaged in the same way, and those intermediate twitch muscle fibers, which are a thing, mm. um, yeah. So I, I think personally, for a hundred k race, you can you can do a hundred k race on very well on on basically on marathon training with just yeah. a longer long run. Yeah. Um, exactly. Well, I mean, I, yeah, and that's another going into the long runs is a whole other thing as well. And I, I, I sometimes think there's an over. I don't want to dive down this rabbit hole too, too much unless you want it. Yeah. Um, but like, no, no. I haven't done as much of the long runs this time around just because of life. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And but um, things in life getting in the way. But I do sometimes think there's an overemphasis on long run. Um, yes, and, I agree. And, um, yeah, even though it is really important. And I think, but as you say, you, you know, all the long runs that you've got in the bank from being an experienced athlete, are, um, like, you know, you're going to get the, you don't, I feel like a lot of the time long, the long run is, doesn't need to be much longer than a couple of hours, as opposed to people going out and doing these five and six hour long runs, yeah. you know, you know that you can run a hundred kilometers, you, you know, yeah. you don't need that psychological, you know, boost, you know, that you can get it done on less yeah, so. But I think maybe, yeah, but, and in saying that, maybe someone who hasn't done one before does need a decent long run just to give them that psychological feeling that they exactly. can do it as well. And can I just ask, when you said you've also been focusing on weights, um, yes. like what have you been doing? Have you been doing so, heavy weights, functional? What are you doing? I have been, I work with a personal trainer who's a friend and She'll get me doing some crazy stuff in the gym, whole body stuff. But as far as my yep. lower body concern, like keeping a strong core, um, doing yep. she will make me. I will go heavy. She'll make me lift heavy, but and when I say heavy, heavy for me, it's all yep. relative. I'm I'm not trying to break any records. Um, <laughs> and and then um, but a lot of stuff focusing on the on the posterior chain. Um, yep. so from basically from my back all the way down to my to my heels, and um, and so and that and really using my my Achilles as and as a driving force up the hills, and um, so what what exercise are you using for the Achilles and uh, things like there's an I don't know if you're familiar basically like the um, the curls the whether hamstring curls yep. hamstring or, or curls the, yeah. Yeah, or the or the Nordic she calls it the Nordic drop. I don't know if there's another name for it. Where basically you you sit, sit on your knees. I'll just try and describe it. It's a I'm, 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 oh, when you I'm, lean I'm, forward. And, you, and so, yeah, you lean forward and you sort of steadily yeah, drop down. And yeah, yeah, really tough. And like mm. the, and to try and fall down with control. And you know, yeah. it's really it's and um. And a lot of like things like split squats or lunges, um, yeah. and, and a bit of just old fashioned squatting and lots of single leg stuff. Um, yes. single leg deadlift. Well, running is a single leg exercise, really. Ex- so, yeah. You never on, the only time you're on two feet in running is when you're standing at the aid station. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, it is good. And so by doing it, like at the moment, I'm going into this race. So, in New Zealand, feeling the fittest I've felt in a long time, and um, because, but I haven't, I haven't even done over a hundred kilometres for any week in the last um, oh wow six weeks. But I've been really consistent, and um, so the time will tell. I'm, you know, like, but I do feel 
with the offset of the, the strength work and the speed work, I'm sort of trying yeah. to mix it all up, you know, strength work. Well, I speed. think, um, yeah, I've, I've always said it, that I believe ultra runners should be doing speed work, and I don't, I don't think enough do. And I'd be really interested to see how you go. So what's the, like, what sort of time are you thinking of? You know, you must have something in your head. It's really hard to um, to judge because yeah. it's, it seems a fairly challenging course. I don't know the terrain. So I did. Uh-huh. I recently did the Hyacinth 105, which is a pretty, yeah. pretty flat flat course. It's got yes. um, two and a half two and a half thousand meters of climbing. That one, and I did that in just under thirteen hours. It wasn't a perfect yeah. race, but um, I'm fit, I feel fitter than that. I think I'll be slower this time because of, of the, course, there's a lot a more, more elevation. So I'm, if I can do it in 15 hours, I'll be really happy. Yeah. Um, and I think um, the winning time, I think, has been one year. And this is some good runners that have done this. The winning time, I think, was um, about 11 hours something, oh, which wow. is quite slow, yeah. slow for a winning yeah. time. That's um, a so, slow winning time. Yeah. So just gonna, it's been, So what is... Is it rocky? What is it? Is it technically difficult as well? I think it is. I looking yeah. looking at the pitch at the pictures of it. It's um there's a lot of um yeah, it looks very rocky and exposed. And, Which is where not, Ash's discussion of agility training comes in too, I guess. Yes. And and the thing is going the you know, you've got a big climb and then you start descending from the 70 kilometer mark. You descend from 2000 meters. You, and yep. then you descend, you descend for 20 kilometres. Oh, wow. Almost 20 kilometres, and then you run for 15 kilometres on the flat to finish. So that... that oh, so when you leave so the You're running, you're running on wrecked flat. quads. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's going to be the challenge. So you've been so, doing a lot of quad work in the gym? Yeah, my quads are good. Yeah. And I, I do a lot of plyometrics as well. So I do things yep. like box jumps. Yeah. And um, got to be a little bit explosive. And um, yep. oh, look, the gym, gym stuff has made a huge difference, I think, to my running and just to my my overall enjoyment. I don't have the, the niggles, I don't have any yep. niggles or anything like that, which feels really good, you know. Um, so it's it's going to be a a real interesting one. I've read a few um race uh, what do you call it race reports about this race because it's not very there's not much information about it. It's uh, considered, okay. it's considered the hardest hundred k in New Zealand, um, and oh. it's. And even though it's called the ultra easy, um, it's not easy. <laughs> I know a few people have every every race has said it's it's um, pretty terrifying. Every runner that's done it, Ben Duffus did it a few ah. years ago, and he um yeah. Ben famous really good Australian runner, and he he DNF'd, and so oh um, really yeah <laughs> and and so and but um the race director says that if you die you're disqualified, and that that <laughs> so that's really interesting. So I'm just going to try not to die. I like that. That's yeah, <laughs> it's got a bit of a so yeah no the you know, Kiwis will be interesting. So look, I'm I'm in it for the adventure. I do want to run yep. well, um, and I feel as uh, given everything in my everything in life, I'm the, I'm sort of the best prepared I could be. I've probably got another one week of I'll, I will run over 100 kilometers this week because I've got more time as well. I'll probably <laughs> do I'd like to do 120 k's this week, and then it's, it's then it's a pretty uh, aggressive taper. And um, but I'll, I'll with my taper, I'll still run every every day, but just my mileage is just going to go down. That's generally how I do it. So yeah, same. But what would you go down to in your taper? Like, how much so will you drop down? If I tapered for two weeks, I would mm-hmm. drop 
um, I, I keep it fairly like traditional. I might drop thirty yeah. percent um, the first week, and then another maybe thirty or forty percent the following week. So that yeah. you know, does that sound? And I usually have a couple of days off in the lead up to it. So um, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Is that something similar to what you would do? Yes, definitely. And I, I yeah. think the taper is really important. And a lot of people are scared to taper. They don't want to stop yeah. sort of or cut back on the training. But yeah. it, as as you well know, it's it's in the rest that we get stronger. Yeah, exactly. How would you approach it, Ashley? Your, uh, your um, taper. My taper. Yeah. Ta- taper you, you, you these you days taper. affects me yeah. badly. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't do well for the other problems. That I have, so but, um, are you in a position where the running makes you better, like physically feel better? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so and I with take, those, I, you feel worse? Yeah, I take significantly less medication when ah, I run than if I don't. That's interesting. Yeah. So my pain, pain goes through the roof once I start not running. When I'm running, okay. yeah, sure, running can hurt, but... Um, yeah. It's I, different. I don't. I don't then hurt all day long. I just yep. hurt for the run. Um, yeah. I'll get, I'll get moments where it hurts, and then you know I might end up on the ground. But yeah, it. Um, so it does make a big difference. But as it, pre being ill, um, yeah, I would taper. Like my speed work would actually increase, and but my mileage would drop dramatically. But you wouldn't be increasing your speed work right up until race day, would you? Yeah, yeah. Like even the day before, I would still wow. do stuff to make okay. my legs go fast. And that's when I've run my fastest. Um, which, which once again, reinforces that every, everybody is different. So yeah. 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 I, I think I'm with Isabel. I, I, actually, I do, I'm a little bit in the middle, actually. I do a bit of, I would, I will do some speed oh, I would, work. I still in that keep last the speed week. work. Yeah, definitely, a small definitely. Yes, yeah. a small amount. I still do speed work. I think it's still important, but I wouldn't be increasing it in the last two weeks. I'd just be maintaining, yeah, and maybe dropping in the last, uh, you know, reducing the amount, but still doing it. Yeah. Um, no, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, there's, I know there's a lot of people who are worried their legs are going to go to sleep or whatever, and so and yeah. I, I, I've yeah. had that feeling as well myself, you know, where you come to the end of a race and um, – or the, the, the end of a taper period, and you feel slow. I don't know if you've ever had that. Yeah. Like where you feel maybe because it's it's a, well, that you, battle between fitness and freshness. You know, you want to be fresh, but you don't want to lose but, too much fitness. You can't lose that much fitness, especially. I mean, you're not stopping training; you're just reducing it, and you you, yeah. you wouldn't. And and if you keep up the speed work, yeah. Um, I I don't see losing fitness as a as a a, a worry, to be honest. Yeah. It's true. Um, actually, just a little, uh, just a little throwback to what we were talking about a minute ago. The ultra easy, the 2018 results. First, the first place male um, did it in 12 hours and 35 minutes. So, oh wow! Yeah. So and and, um, and he won by 45 minutes. And so, Jeez. Um, and the first place. Can lady, I ask what the first female was? What was yeah, the first I was female? Say, she just got under 15 hours, 14 hours Jeez. and 58 minutes. So, it's, so it's, there's, because 4,000 metres climbing isn't overly onerous, so there must be something else that makes it tough. Yeah. There, I think there's um, – yeah, I don't know. It's – yeah, I don't know. It's, it's got to be technical. 
There's the yeah, that, got to be technical. That's slow. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, um, we're going to find, I'll let you know in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You certainly will, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but you know, and, that, maybe... and I'd be interested to, um, talk when, when you've done it, um, which elements of your training you think helped you the most. Yeah, that's right. You oh, know, the plyo or the weights or the, you know, the reduced kilometers, that sort of thing as well. Yeah. I do think, um, I tell you what, I feel like I'm, pre- I'm more, I feel like I'm very prepared for a marathon right now, like which yep. is sort of probably maybe a bad thing. Like I do feel like I could no. go like a, a reasonable time, but um, yep. you don't think that's a bad thing? No, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and um, the biggest thing I look at is I I look at whenever I look at a course profile, a lot of people get go oh look how steep that big hill is in the middle of the race, and I yep. sort of think yeah, but look at all that other stuff that's not steep. Look at let, yep. focus on I try and focus on the the 80% of the race that's just looks normal, you know, like... See, and whereas for uh, me, I love those bits that are steep, so... <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I like it, but I don't... I think, let's not... And I think people overemphasize their training. And when we're talking yeah, about... Oh, I see what you're saying, yes. They go, oh, well, if it's 4,000 metres of climbing, I've got to go and do 12,000 metres of climbing <laughs> per week, yeah. you know, yeah. like... um and so, and I know people that do that kind of training, wow. but they have no, yeah. they might be mentally tougher on the hills, but they're no stronger or faster, you know. So, and certainly uh, not faster, yeah. yeah. And that's why I think feeling marathon strong is a good thing. Yeah. Um, the threat, I, I think the threshold runs have really helped me there and having that yeah. just to go right. I mean, I did a threshold run a few weeks back and it was 30 minutes. This is, I feel yeah. like this is a, a key workout. 30 minutes running at my threshold pace. So basically what yeah. I do, I get on the, the the linear path, which is on the Torrens River. Everyone in Adelaide knows it very well. Okay. It's a long path, and it's fairly flat. There's a few undulations. Um, and I do 50, I run 15 minutes out at the just below 5K race pace. And then, and then I turn around wow. and run back, run back for 15 minutes. And it is one of those runs where about 10 minutes in, I'm ready to stop. But it's just <laughs> having that discipline just to keep pushing. And so, but then I do my, when I run the next day, even though my legs are sore, my, easy, feel, pa- my easy pace feels really yeah. bouncy and fast. I, I love threshold runs. I think they're yeah. so important and they yeah. do, they teach you to keep going when everything is, you know, it's not monumentally hard, but it's still hard enough that you want to stop. But yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, they are. I think they're great. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, you, yeah, I think they'll they'll have been good for you. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And so it's about being comfortable, you know. So yeah, yeah. and comfortable being, being and, uncomfortable. And, yes, that's what I meant to say. But yeah. Yeah. So um, but anyway, we're um we've been um, going on for quite a while now. I know, we, haven't we? We should um we can probably wrap it up shortly. What do you think, Ash? You got any final questions? I do have a, a question that I've been wanting to ask for ages. Yeah. Um, when running. Uphill or downhill, yeah. And the track is not a single track, so you've got a wider, you know, trail to pick from as such. When you run a set of switchbacks, where do you run the line? Well, the apex, wouldn't you? I would go personally. So you always you run the shortest line. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Okay, so what do you run, run, Daniel? I'd go wide because I was like maintain a bit of speed. Is that is that where you're angling towards that? Yeah, I, I oh. always run the longest yeah. line because it's actually yeah. less less power involved. 
Um, I see. So why? Because I mean, it depends on obviously on the the um, tightness of the switchbacks. But in general, why would why would longer be taking the longer line be better? Because you, you you don't have that when you push the acute power out, taking a, a shorter line, that takes more out of what well, takes more out of my legs. Um, mm-hmm, and if you okay. take the longer line, then you don't have that spike. You know, it's like having a spike in your heart rate, where you've just pushed yeah. your heart rate, and then you kind of break your tachometer after that. Yeah. And yep. Everything's harder. Yeah. So if you take that that less difficult angle you can then sustain a higher rate for a longer period. I see where you're coming from. But I would find the apex is, is, if you're cutting the corner correctly, I would find that of a less less of an angle because you Mm. should come across and cut the apex almost sort of straight lining it. To me, then you're not, there is no, I mean, it depends once again on on the uh, tightness of the switchbacks, but I'm trying to straight line it rather than, um, have huge angles. Interesting. I um, I, I I think I see where Ashley's coming from. I I would uh, going wider. I find it's putting less stress on the ligaments. Is that what you're sort of getting at, Ashley? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so if you because if you have to cut a a, a a tight turn and obviously a switchback, you're almost going back the way you came. You know, you're almost turning. But if but going, if you cut an apex. If you're coming across the apex, you're not. I'm not saying follow. Cutting the apex should be straight lining it. To me, interesting. More. I, I see what you mean. Well, this might be not. It's what, a discussion that comes back from the polls when we were discussing the polls because it's um, yeah. like I spent a lot of time uh, running with a guy who spent his youth cross country skiing. Yeah. And everything that I've learnt from him using poles running has come from his cross-country skiing days. Yeah. And he was very good at it. And, um, yeah, following his advice was to go around the outside and okay. it made a massive difference with – we would climb like a hill. He'd go, right, okay, we'll climb the centres, so make it short. And, you know, it would be, okay, it might take – let's say it takes 10 minutes. Now climb the outside. How much? How long does it take? It took 10 minutes. Now, which one do you feel more fatigued from? Oh, I felt more fatigued taking the inside line. He goes, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it was just – and that was the same with navigation, hence why I asked yeah. what you had to do with navigation earlier in our conversation. Because um, if you have to follow someone's path, well, then you're stuck with it. But if you don't, yeah. when you can take that easier route that might be longer, yeah. oh, look, in you can actually save yourself important. significant time yeah. over yeah, the yeah. long haul. Exactly. Oh, look, I totally agree with that. With the switchbacks, I guess it, it depends on the steepness of the switchbacks, the technicality of them. There's oh yeah, there's heaps of stuff like yeah. So I mean, involved there. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's something we could possibly pick up another time if we uh, jump back on board. But um, <laughs> I think we I, I, look. I think that what that says is exactly what you're offering in your courses. And that is you need to go and do a course where you're physically looking at it rather than discussing yep. it in theory. Yes. And, and that's what that I was going to say. We almost need pictures to, to look at to draw yes, the line. exactly. <laughs> uh, podcast so. is not the most uh, visual. Uh, no, medium. not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, but no, it's exciting. And look, 
yeah, I love it. I love all this. So it's been a really good chat with both of you today, and I think that we've covered a lot of ground, and it's a really good way um, to get the new year underway. So yeah, um, and and um, we were sort of talking at some point that maybe we could get together regularly and talk about different training aspects and that sort of stuff. I think yeah, that sounds exciting. Yeah. yeah. So, so everyone, so all the listeners can stay tuned for that on uh, yeah. on our respective podcasts, and we that, that, so could, that is, could be our, our monthly mentoring show. Oh, I like it. Oh, look at this! This is great. <laughs> it's, it's like a it's like a round a round table or a triangular for, table. Yes, yeah, for the for the first year <laughs> of this decade, there'll be a monthly yeah. mentoring show. It may continue after that, but we'll yeah, you know. and we'll have a different focus. Excellent, yes. excellent. And so I guess the next time we speak then, then I'll be able to give you a bit of a, a breakdown of my um, my my 100-kilometre yes. race in New Zealand. And that's what I was saying. I'd, I'd be interested mm. to know what you felt was, was really significant in helping you with that. So uh, good yeah. luck with your race. Yeah, thank yes, you very much. Absolutely. If, I can, if, if, I'm running, if I'm still running in the last 10 kilometres, then, it, then it's been a success, my training. Yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, excellent. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. We'll, uh, we'll say farewell to our listeners right now. and um, Farewell and Happy New Year, everybody. Yes, Happy New Year. Excellent. Right, bye. Thank you.